since the beginning of the year, and today we're in Acts chapter 3, as Mike read for us, verse 1 through 16 is our text this morning. Students, we wake. Has, has the donuts worn off yet? All right, don't crash on me. Don't crash on me yet. All right. I love Disciple Now weekend. It's a great excuse for the pastor to wear a t-shirt, right? All right, I'll try to find some other excuses for that too, but hey, I do want to give you a, a brief word of announcement before we get to the text. Um, uh, a few weeks ago, we, we voted on giving the elders uh, the, the go-ahead to uh, put for, up for sale the Trinity Valley location, and um, then after those proceeds to look at, at building and, and, and giving that money to missions and also uh, remod, doing some remodeling here, and uh, we voted on that. Well, I wanted to give you an announcement this morning. We've entered into an agreement uh, with a church in the area, a Korean congregation, uh, KPC. I'm not even going to try to mention uh, what K stands for, but it's Presbyterian Church. Uh, we've entered into agreement with them to lease with uh, a purchase no later than May of 2017, uh, the reason for, for that length of time is they are leaving uh, their cor current denomination uh, because of some views they do not agree with, which we are all for that. Um, and so that's the reason for the length of that. It may not be that long, but um, that is the agreement to, to lease to them with a purchase uh, of $1.9 million of the Trinity Valley location. Uh, they've also extended the offer as well. To the other churches that are meeting there now, that they would continue to meet there, um, and that we also, uh, our students, would have use of the property until we build here. And so that is the agreement that uh, we have entered into with, with this church. And so we praise the Lord for that. Um, yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, very thankful, very thankful. Uh, in fact, I'll share, the, I'll share the story with you. Uh, I think it, it wasn't the day after we, okay, the day after we had the vote. So I have to check sometimes. And I don't know, I'm getting close to 40 and my mind's going. So, uh, so I, I got, the elders have become my check and balance system on, on my mind lately. So anyway, so the day after we, we had the vote, I, I, I get a call from a, a Korean gentleman and he asked if, if he can meet about the building. And I'm like, man, how do you, how do you know about this? And um, I didn't say that, but I'm thinking that. And he says, because Pastor uh, On, Pastor On is G. Young with Nanum Church. I talked to him, and, and I'd like to talk to you about the building. So Isabel and I went and had coffee with him the next day. And he said, well, I, was, I drive past the building, the, T, the Trinity Valley building, every morning, every morning. And he said, last week I, I was praying and, or, or maybe it was, I think it was Monday morning, he was praying. That morning he was praying, and he said, God just told me that you need to go and call them and ask them about that building, whether to lease it or, or to see about it. And he said, I ended up finding out that Pastor On was connected with you guys, and so that's how I got your number was through him. And then he told me the news that you guys were just voted yesterday on, on, on possibly selling this location. And, he, and so he just said, we want to buy it. We want to buy it. 
And he said, so that's why I'm here. And I just thought, man, that's amazing how God works through that without real estate agents and all that kind of stuff, without even putting any signs up. And, and so appreciative of the elders because they did their due diligence. They met with three different real estate agents and stuff like that. But, but we, they do their diligence. But isn't it amazing how just God works? He works. And so praise the Lord for that. That's good. You can clap again. That's cool. Yeah, you got to clap. That's good. And I, yeah, some baby just yelled too. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, like have, that, have that kid stick around for the sermon. Keep, keep doing that. So, because you need to get loud on that too. So, so but, I, but I love it because it, it seems like this. I was telling Isabel the other day, my wife the other day, is um, that, that it just seems like God works in weeks <laughs> with, with us. And uh, it's just amazing. And how he does that with, with the sell of our uh, Vista Ridge location, the buy of this location, and just with the TVC location. So it's amazing just to be just in, in God's river and see what, what he's doing. So this morning, uh, let's look at Acts, uh, Acts 3. All right, let's remember where we're at. Acts 3. And I, I want to just say this phrase, and it's a phrase that, that, that's said a lot and, and maybe overused, but, but in this text, I think we can walk away and say, it's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. I think that's a simple conclusion that we can step away from this text and conclude this morning. And so let me pose that question. What if life was that simple? What if life was simply enough to be all about Jesus? You know, life has its problems and it has its busyness. It has its ups and its downs. And we see in this text today that there's a problem. There's a physical problem that one has. But what happens when daily life meets Jesus, when Jesus meets our daily life, something happens. Everything changes. Everything changes. And we see that in the text today as one will be healed, but God isn't just in the business of physical healings. He is, but he's also in the business of healing hearts, of changing hearts. That's what he wants to do. And as we look at this text today, we see him using Peter, a vessel of his glory, God's glory, who is walking by faith, by the Spirit and obedience, and God uses him to do the work of God. And I want us to see today how God wants to do that in and through the church, that we too may see people's lives change, and therefore they in turn glorify and praise him, just like this man does in this text today. We're going to see a miracle and a message. We're going to see wonder, and we're going to see the word share. And so as we do, we're going to see more of Jesus as we look at this text, of who he is, the reality of who he is, and the working of the church that God desires even from us. And so let's look at verse 1 this morning. Real quick, and this is the miracle, right? And so here is Peter and John, verse 1 says, and they were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. Uh, the ninth hour is, is 3 p.m. Uh, it's in the afternoon. It's one of the three prayer times that the Jews had. Uh, it was a tradition where they would go to the temple at 9 a.m., at noon, and then also at 3 p.m., and they would go there to pray. And so it was a common practice that even Jewish Christians back in the first century still did. And so Peter and John are, are still going to the temple to pray at these hours. And then look at verse 2 and 3. A man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Beautiful. 
in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. It was common for beggars to be at the gate of the temple, to set up shop there, and to seek charitable donations uh, of money. And so the daily crowd would usher in. They would come to the temple to pray. And there were those who were there simply to impress God by passing out these charitable gifts because they wanted to be seen as pious. They wanted to uh, earn favor with God in doing these good works. But this day was different. This day was different for this lame beggar, for everything would change. And look how it happens. In verse 4, it tells us that Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on this man, this lame beggar, and said, look at us. And so, so Peter is saying this to this man, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, the beggar did, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene walk. And seizing him, Peter By the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright, began to walk. He entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people um, saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder, amazement at what had happened to him. Awe and wonder filled the crowd on this day. It filled the temple. We saw this last week with the church in Acts 2.43, right? That they were filled with a sense of awe and wonder. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And here we see it happening. And I want us to look at the content of this miracle in just a second. But, but this is how God works, right? He does things like this to, to point to himself, to, to point to Jesus. He does this miracle, this work of wonder to be a pointer to the great truth of Jesus Christ. I've seen this vividly two times in my life, specifically, and both of them occurred in Mexico. And I've shared some of these stories before over my time here at the Ridge. And the first one, I'll never forget, we were planning to go on a mission trip to Aquas Calientes. We're going to take about 60 or so middle school students to, through the desert on the other side of um, the western side of Mexico, And we were working in this one little village that had a strong Catholic hold on it. So when I say Catholic, I don't mean anything evangelical whatsoever in this sense. Um, But Catholicism, Latin Catholicism, um, pagan, evil practices, where the priests will put curses on your home if you uh, are found to be believing in Jesus as Savior. And so that's how stronghold it was in this, this village. And we were going into that village to share the gospel. And there was this one lady in the town who was a believer, and she would go to a small church, and this pastor uh, was trying to get her to open up her home so that we could go into it and do vacation Bible school when we got there in just about a week. And so we got an email from the missionary saying, hey, listen, pray for this lady because her husband will not let us have the VBS in her backyard. And so we were praying, we're praying. And no kidding, I think it was just a few days before we were supposed to go or a week before we were supposed to go, um, 
that the man of the house, her husband, um, had a cow fall on him. You might be thinking, what? A cow fall on him? Yeah, I mean, he's not like cow tipping or anything like that, right? I mean, the cow falls on him. And so this was just kind of an out of ordinary, you know, weird occurrence. But the cow falls on the man. The man is taken to the hospital. While he's in the hospital, who comes and visits him? The local Christian pastor who pastors this lady. And he, she, he goes and visits and visits and visits. And the man is healed, comes home, tells his wife, open up the back door to the church that's coming. And, and we want them to hold the vacation Bible school. We, we went there. Oh, we were, we were ecstatic. Can you imagine middle school students praying for that? And then a cow falls on a man. <laughs> hundreds of miles away, hundreds of miles away. And I'll never forget, when we ministered in that town that morning, we gave flyers to the kids in the schools, and they came out of the school, and they were tearing up flyers. And we were like, what in the world? I thought kids would dig this. I thought they would come. And and it was like a a a confetti, like maybe like after the Super Bowl or something. The whole town was like filled with confetti. And we're like, what's going on here? We end up finding out the priest had told them, if you go to the VBS, we will curse your house and your family. We'll throw it on you. And we just kept praying. And sure enough, that afternoon when we started the VBS, over 300 kids filled that backyard. By the end of the week, over a hundred of them came to know Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. Our bus driver, who doesn't even know Jesus Christ, was sharing the gospel with them. That's how wild that week got. And so what did God do? God took a cow and landed him on a man. It could be a, <laughs> it could be a holy cow. And there he was at you. <laughs> I knew it was. I knew. I thought, that's third row. That's third row. So, so it was a holy cow. All right. All right. I don't, I don't think they've slaughtered him or done anything to him. He might, he might. Anyway, no, no, no. Let's not go there. Okay. So, but that's what God does. That's what God does. We had another trip, and I've, I know I've shared this before, but I think it bids just, just for the sake of the text today. We had, a, we had a kid we took on a trip one time, and he would not trust in Christ, man. He just, he, he had his... Feet in the goads, man. He just, no way. He's a smart kid. I loved him to death. But, man, he just, 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 man, he just wouldn't. But he wanted to go on the trip with us to Mexico. We couldn't take kids that didn't know Christ because they were serving. So I told the mission organization, I said, listen, he, he can be in my group. I, I'll watch out for him. I trust him on every other level. I said, all right. So we went on this trip, and we're praying one day. It was just a small group of us, about eight or ten in our group. And I got separated from the group with two other kids. We were doing some ministry work. And this group went to a house, and they saw this lady, and they carried groceries in for this lady and said, hey, listen, we just want to help you, and can we just pray for you? And she said, yes. She said, while you're here, can you pray for my husband who has fallen deaf because of an accident he had, and he can no longer hear? And what happened at that time, these students, translator and one adult, all gathered around this man. They prayed for him. And and during that time, this man's hearing came back. And this man went from deaf to hearing. Now, I'm sitting in the van. It's lunchtime. I'm looking, hey, when are these kids going to get back? All right? Because I'm like, I'm in charge of this whole little thing. And so uh, I'm waiting for them to get back. And finally, I mean, I'm frustrated. I'm like, good night. What are y'all taking so long for? And I see out of the window of the van... What seemed like, and I'll just put this phrase on it, ghost. (laughs) 
they were walking toward me, middle school students and adults, and they looked like they had seen a ghost. And I was like, what in the world? And they get in the van, and they just start crying. And I asked one of the adults, I said, what happened to you guys? She said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? She goes, this man's hearing came back. I was like, what? And who's in the back seat is Kevin, who doesn't know Jesus. And he looks like, good night, what in the world just happened? Quiet, it was the quietest bus ride I've ever had in nine years of student ministry. That night, I saw Kevin on the other side with a group of students, and they were praying with him. And he stood up a few minutes later and said, I'm giving my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And isn't that what Jesus does? He, he uses his power, his strength, whether it's a cow or the healing of a deaf man, to point to the truth of who he is. Now, we don't need those things to prove Jesus. But Jesus uses those things to point to himself. And that's what he does in this text today. Now look at the text real quick. He's using this, this miracle, this amazing miracle, to, to point to who Jesus is, his power, his exalt, five exaltations about him. And then either, even Peter's going to do this in his message. He's going to bring indictments as well. And then, isn't that what every great sermon does? It brings exaltation of God, but at the same time, indictments on humanity. And that's what he's going to do right here. So look at the text um, real quick. At verse 11, while he was clinging to Peter, this man who was healed, all the people ran together to them, full of amazement. And so this miracle has drawn this crowd. They're full of wonder and amazement at this man who's just been healed. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at, this, at us as if by our own um, excuse me, power of piety we have made him walk? So Peter's saying, hey, this isn't a man thing, this isn't magic, this isn't witchcraft, this isn't mind over matter, this isn't anything like that. It's not the power of Peter and John. So what is it? Drop down to verse 16. In this sermon, listen to what he says. He says, and on the basis of faith in his name, all right, the name of Jesus, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And so what happens on this day? How does this healing occur? What's the agent of the healing? Look closely at verse 16 again. That, that, this is an amazing verse. Notice first... That the faith to heal is through who? It's through Jesus, right? We get that, we see it, it says that. So what does that mean? It means Jesus gave the faith. To who? Not to the beggar, right? We see on other occasions where Jesus will heal someone and say, because of your faith, right? You're healed. Now Jesus gives Peter, the gift of faith in this moment, to speak of the name of Jesus to this man, that he would be healed. It came through the working of Jesus. And if you look back up at verse 4, isn't it very interesting as, as Peter is walking? This is just like any other day that they come into the temple. And it says in verse 4 that they gazed at this man. 
think at this moment, what we see happening here is Peter realizes something different is about, this, is about to happen on this day. And I think right here, Jesus is giving him this gift of faith to speak the powerful name of Jesus. So what was that that happened? The faith to heal the man came through Jesus. The living Jesus did something in Peter, and Peter knew it was the day when he says, what do I have to give you? He probably meant today I have been giving something special for you. And Jesus has given me the faith to speak healing to you, and now I share this gift to you. Rise up. So the last part of verse 16 says, the faith which is through Jesus, not the faith in Jesus, has given this man perfect health. Jesus gave the faith to heal. And what does Peter do? He acts on it. Now look at the first part of verse 16 because we find more. It says, on the basis of faith in his name is the name of Jesus which strengthened this man. And so what's the healing agent? It's not Peter, right? No. It is the name of Jesus. So first, faith has given the man health. Second, the name of Jesus has made him strong. So here's the point of what happens here, what Peter wants them to understand. The faith Jesus gives to heal is effective because it is faith in the name of Jesus Christ alone. And the name of Jesus is bringing about the healing on this day. And the name of Jesus refers to the reality of who Jesus is. It's who he is. And Peter was speaking of the name of Jesus with the faith that was given to him by Jesus. But Jesus was doing the healing. That's how this miracle happens. And so, again, God takes this miracle and he points to the truth of his son. And so Peter speaks about that. And Peter wants us to know not only how this miracle happens, all the ins and outs of this, but he also wants us to know Jesus. Who is the reality of Jesus? So look what he says. Look at verse 13, because he has the attention. All right, here's this attraction. The crowd has been drawn, wonder and amazement. And Peter has their attention, and he says to them, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Stop there for a second. So this is a Jewish crowd, right? And he says to them, the God of Abraham. Doesn't that sound familiar? As you read verse 13, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, it, that's what they knew the God of Israel as. That's what was spoken through the prophets. And so here what Peter is saying is that this same God that the prophets talked about and prophesied about the Messiah, this is who Jesus is. This one who's doing the healing on this day, he's the Messiah. That's who Jesus is. So who is he? Well, the first thing we see, the first exaltation, is he's, the, he's servant Jesus, right? He's the long-awaited servant of God. It reminds us in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 30, uh, 13. You remember what the prophet Isaiah said? It said, behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up. He will be greatly exalted. And then on from there through chapter 53, Isaiah continues to talk about Jesus as the servant, but not only just the servant, the suffering servant. And in chapter 
53 verse 11, he says, my servant will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Who's that servant? It's Jesus Christ. So Peter, pointing back to a term in the Old Testament, the servant of God says, this is who Jesus is. That's the first thing. The second exaltation in this text is what he says uh, as well in verse 13. He says um, that he has glorified his servant Jesus. What does that mean? That Jesus has been glorified by God. That God has put Jesus at the position as king of kings. That he's put him at the right hand of God to reign and give complete authority over ever. That's who Jesus is. He is the king of all. And so remember, this is what God is doing. He's taking this miracle to draw attention to who the reality of Jesus is. The third exaltation in this text is this, that he is the holy and righteous one. As verse 14 says, he is the holy and righteous one. Uh, This is who Jesus is. Now, those in the crowd referred to him as what? That he was a criminal, that he was a blasphemer. But Peter says, no, he is the holy and righteous one. If you go back to the Old Testament, places like Zechariah and others, that's who the Messiah was referred to as, the holy one who would come. And that's who Jesus is. He is the holy and righteous God. The fourth exaltation is this. Check this out. Look at verse 15. But you put to death the prince of life. Who is Jesus? He is the prince of life. He is the author of life. Everyone in this room has blood running through their veins and breath coming uh, and pumping through their lungs and, and, and through their nostrils and all that kind of good stuff. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. And not only physical life, but he's the author of spiritual life as well. One is born again because of Jesus Christ. He is the author of life. Colossians tells us that all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. And the fifth exaltation of this text is real simple. Look at verse 15. He says here, but you put to death the prince of life, the one who God raised from the dead. Remember the resurrection of Jesus was the endorsement of the Father that Jesus truly is the Lord and the Messiah. And Peter goes back to that. And says, Jesus is risen. Now, the witnesses of this were the apostles. We see that at the end of verse 15. They had firsthand witnesses of who Jesus was. They knew these things. They knew these things. But those in the crowd weren't receptive to that. They rejected Jesus. They rejected the the person and the worth of who Jesus is. And so Peter is saying these things, but within this, what is he also doing? And so look at this as well. So not only are we saying who Jesus is, but there's indictments that fall on the crowd and really fall on all of us here today. And look at what it says in verse 13. He kind of has these little things kind of snuck in there a little bit, all right? But they they hit you a little bit. Look at verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered to who? To Pilate. And and so what were the Jews guilty of? They delivered Jesus over to Pilate. And then the second thing is, not only that, in verse 13, it says that you disowned him in the presence of Pilate. What does disown mean? They denied him, right? 
They denied him. The Jews went even further than the pagan Pilate, and they denied the truth and the worth of Jesus Christ. And then look at the third indictment here. Down in verse 14, it says this, But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. What does that mean? It means they traded the infinite righteous one, the infinite holy one, Jesus Christ, for what? A murderer. Do you remember that? Pilate says, who should I give? Should I give Jesus or should I give Barabbas, right? The murderer. And what did the crowd say? Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Take Jesus away. What does that show us this morning? What is Peter's point? I think Peter's point is, is, pretty, is profound. That rejecting Jesus is devastating. Rejecting Jesus is devastating because what it means is it means that we join this crowd that says, give us murderers for our streets. To walk our streets and and to walk amongst our children and take away the author of life. That's what it means. Because if you're in the first century, that's what happened. Give us a murderer to come and live among me and my kids, and you take the author of life. That's what rejecting Jesus meant. That's what it means. Does that not land? And that's what Peter's point. The fourth and final indictment is connected to this as well. It says they delivered him over to death. They put to death, in verse 15, the prince of life. So what does that mean? Take the giver of life, take the offer of life, and give him death. Take someone who has taken life from somebody else and let him walk free. That's what rejecting Jesus is. I would rather choose sin and celebrate it than choose Jesus, the author of life. Those are hard words, man, those are hard words, but Peter wants them to understand the depth of rejecting Christ. When we reject Jesus, it's anti-life, and when we reject Jesus, it's murderous. When we reject Jesus, it's suicidal. That's the point. That's the point. But what I love about Peter, what I love about the apostles, what I love about God, what he does, he says, wait, hold on a second, though. This is the truth that falls on all humanity. But he says there's good news, right? There's good news. And that's verse 19. I want you to drop down. Look at this. He says, therefore, and there's a lot of other stuff there, but we won't get into that. But he says, therefore, repent and return. Now, for the students that are here, this is probably a moment you're probably about crashing almost, all right? All right? So, so, So think about this. Return, or excuse me, repent and return. All right, students, you with me? All right, how many of y'all know Lecrae? How many of y'all know Lecrae? Just a, a few of you? Come on, let's get my, come on, man. I need to come talk to your parents. We need to get that on the iPod and the i. come on, come on. Okay, so how many of you guys know the song Turnt? Turnt, anyone want to come rap it? No, just kidding, all right. It, it, Joel knows it, he's like, yeah, I know, I know it. I'm, I know I'm not a student, but I know. That, that's what Jesus is, or Peter is saying here. He says, be turnt. Right? If you've ever listened to that song and you're like, you're like, what's turnt mean? It's like, this is it. 
Acts chapter 3, verse 19. So, so now you got connection to Lecrae and your Bible, all right? So Lecrae is kind of like your commentary. No? Okay. All right, so, so Acts 3, 19, what's he saying? He's saying, repent and return. So what does that mean? I'm going this direction. I'm thinking this way, meaning I'm rejecting Jesus. I'm going away from Jesus. But repent and return means I'm now having a change of mind about rejecting Jesus. Now I'm embracing, I'm accepting, I'm going to follow Jesus. And look what happens, he says. So that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So this physical healing takes place, and now Peter says, but you know what? You know what you need? You need refreshing for your soul because your dead soul is wretched. It chose a murderer over the author of life. Your soul needs to become alive, and how does that come alive? It's only by the power of God to save you and to wipe your sins away. And so what must we do? Peter says, repent, repent. So that's the good news. Stop rejecting Jesus and repent and receive him as Savior and Lord of your life. If you're here today, I want to ask you that question. Have you ever repented and returned to Jesus? Have you ever accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? If not, why not? Why not? What's, what's holding you back? What, what's got a, a hold of you? What's got you in bondage? You see who Jesus is here today, that he is the holy and righteous God. And he's not pointing down with a, a word of, of condemnation to you. No, what is he saying? He's saying, come and have your sins wiped away, and I want to bring refreshing to you. I want to bring peace to your soul. I want to bring life to your soul. I want to bring hope to your life. That's what Jesus wants to bring. He wants to give you a future. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants you to experience the meaning and the purpose of life that's only found in him. And so today, if you've never turned and trusted in Christ, then don't wait. This week was a reminder to me that eternity is long. Eternity is a long time. It's forever. But our life, short. Short. It's a blip on the map. As I learned this week, it could be 60 years. And one day you go from thinking, my heart's fine, and then all of a sudden, heart attack. It takes you. It's not to scare you, but it's to think about the reality and the brevity of life. That one day, we're here, everything's great, right? I mean, students, we think we're immortal right now, right? I mean, we, we live that way. We think even, I'm almost 40, I'm thinking, oh, okay, man, if I can get another 20, 30 out of this, 40, that'd be a bonus. I mean, you know, we think like that, right? We think like that. But just like that, we could be taken. And the question is, man, are we ready? Are, are we ready or are we not? And this text, I think, makes us see that the only way that our life can be changed is by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. 
And the faith that was given to Peter to, to, to be used in and through by the name of Jesus Christ to heal this man, that same faith, the faith that God gives. The Bible says, believe in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Believe in him, that he died for you, that he rose again from the grave to give you life. That is what saves us. It's the only way. There's only one salvation that's going to be talked about in Acts 4.12. It's through Jesus alone, alone. If you're here today, you've never trusted in Christ, all right? At the end of the service, we're going to have people up here. They're, they're going to be here to pray for people. Maybe there's something else that you, you've just been in bondage to. Maybe it's, it's, it's in your mind and your thinking where you're just like, man, I cannot get this thought that just has held me captive. And maybe you want to come pray about that. And just maybe on this day, maybe this is the day where God wants to release you from that. And maybe it's a habit that, man, you're just dealing with and you're like, man, I cannot break this. I cannot break it and I just need to just plead with, with God this morning and say, Lord, come on, Lord, heal me from this habit. And maybe it's depression. Maybe life has just brought you to a dark place and you're just like, man, I, I just cannot get out of this cloud. And maybe today, you just need to come and pray some, with somebody about that. And just pray and say, Lord, would you be my help? Or maybe today is that day where you're like, you know what? I need to come and drive that stake in the ground and trust in Christ as my Lord and Savior on this day. And make sure I'm ready. Make sure I'm ready. Let's pray.